0: Please be seated. You had kind of like a reprise, didn't you there? And we didn't know what to do with it, did we? But anyway, there we go. We had some extra words, Derek, but uh, that didn't worry you and it sounded right, so that's good. I think I've already failed, you know, because Andrew's asked me to do a traditional service, and I've already misbehaved. He said to me, do you want to do the alternative service, the traditional service? And I thought, alternative? Alternative? Every week at LEM we do a traditional service. This is not alternative. But anyway, so... I thought, I'm going to have to behave, and I'm going to have to do this properly. And I started listening. You know how you get songs in your head sometimes? I got that one from Fiddler on the Roof, you know, Tradition, you know. And actually, I'm so sad, I went on the internet to see the lyrics to see if it was any relevance whatsoever to Tradition. And it sort of was but it was all about the traditional role of women and the traditional role of men and it was kind of like working and cleaning all the other way around and then it was the traditional role of the boy and of the girl and how there's a matchmaker and then it goes into matchmaker, matchmaker and it didn't really have any relevance to tradition at all. I don't know why I've mentioned it really but anyway so that's where I started and from that starting point it went downhill. <laughs> Which is difficult to believe. So then I went to the concordance, okay, in the Bible. Well, not in the Bible, a Bible concordance. Do you know what I mean by a Bible concordance? You, you get this big book. Andrew's got a really thick concordance. I've got this tintsy one, which is like about as big as this book, okay. And it's meant to have in it all the words that are in the Bible. And you look up, say, something like um, shepherd. Okay, And then it's got all of the the, note, the times that shepherd arrives in, is, is in the Bible. So you, if you think, the Lord's my shepherd, where on earth is that? You then look, and then it says Psalm 23, and then you know. That's one of the verses that I know, actually, which is good. Anyway, so I thought what I'll do is I'll look up tradition in the concordance, and I'll see, and then it will feed me, and I will know what to preach on, because this is the first traditional service I've done here. As I say, I've done a few at Lim. Or perhaps they would dispute whether it was that traditional. Anyway, so I looked up the word tradition and, god, it didn't help at all. It's actually about as helpful as a <laughs> fiddler on the roof. But there we go. Anyway, all of the things about tradition are really, really negative. It started off, I looked at Micah 6.16, and it goes, well, I don't want to read it all because it's a bit depressing, but it talks about how the people are all in trouble because they followed the traditions of Ahab, that, the bad king, and Omri. And really, following tradition was not good, okay, in Micah 6.16, so don't worry about that one. And then there are lots of Old Testament ones where, where God, through the prophets, are telling people off about their traditions. So we'll go into the New Testament, And in the New Testament, Jesus really gives traditions a very bad press. So I don't think we'll mention that. And then the letters, okay? We get to Colossians 2, verse 8, and it says, See that no one takes you captive with hollow, deceptive philosophy, which depends on human traditions. And that didn't help either, okay? So I'm not doing that. Fiddle of the roof, shelved, tradition... Concordance shelved. So I thought, I got to thinking that's not actually been very helpful in my kind of quest for a sermon this afternoon. So I got to thinking, what was the Bible really talking about when the word tradition? I mean, thankfully it was in Hebrew or Greek. Maybe we got it slightly differently this afternoon from what's in the Bible. And I was thinking, when we advertise a traditional service, we're not really talking about ritual, are we? We've not had a lot of kind of meaningless rituals so far, I don't think. What we're talking about, I suppose, is a a kind of alternative worship style from what we normally have on offer. Because Thomas Risley, we have the, the family service, we have the morning service, we have the youth service, we have messy church. Has anybody dared go to that one? We have messy church... You did CC and you didn't get too messy. In fact, this morning it was messy church. I was out there playing with Play Doh. Anyway, but, and then we have E2 as well. And in a sense, the modern services have become the traditional, haven't they, Thomas Ritchie? Because that's really what people expect. So, in a sense, yes, traditional is the alternative service, okay? And by having a traditional service, we allow people the freedom to worship God in a different kind of style and different way. So really, far from being a negative thing when you look up concordance and you think tradition, all condemned, actually offering an alternative style of worship, offering people the opportunity to worship in a different way for a change is good. And in the Bible, there's lots of good things to find I won't read all of them, but lots of good things about different styles of worship and different ways in which people worship. I will choose two, okay, for the purposes of today. The first one is 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 12 to 16. Now, this is probably a familiar passage to a number of you, and it talks about how David would perhaps rather unconventionally worship God at times. I'll read from verse 12. Now, King David was told the Lord had blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the Ark of God. So David went to bring up the Ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. He was happy about it. When those who were carrying the Ark of the Lord had taken it six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and the entire household of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. That was David's wife, by the way, if you don't know. And when she saw King David, her husband, leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him. With her heart. So David was not in church, but he was worshipping, okay? And he was celebrating because he was so pleased that he was bringing the Ark of the Lord into the city of David, named after him, into Jerusalem. And he was having a brilliant time. Now, David would have been really happy at a youth service on this occasion okay but david was worshiping with abandonment and with praise and he was celebrating he was really partying because the ark was coming into jerusalem now his wife michael unconventional name for a woman but she didn't appreciate she thought he looked stupid okay she didn't appreciate his way of worshiping and Really, I mean, I don't think David was expecting her to do the same thing. He wasn't saying, come down in your linen ephod and worship with me and get splattered with blood from bulls and calves. I mean, he must have looked a sight, it does have to be said. But he wasn't saying, come and do what I do. He was wanting to worship and be free to worship in the way that he was happy worshipping. But she wouldn't allow him to do that. And there were consequences. Again, do read this story from 2 Samuel 6, verse 12 to 16, about what happened to Michael. Not a happy story. But anyway, there were consequences because she wouldn't allow him to worship in the way that he felt God wanted him to worship at that time. Now then, that's one example, okay? Not normal, okay, but different. And for David at that time, being obedient to God and worshiping and praising him. Compare and contrast. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Again, another example of worship. We've only got two, okay? Another example of worship. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, She she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I've something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume onto my feet. Therefore I tell you, Her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So we've got the contrast, haven't we, of David with this kind of mad, kind of reckless... There's that song that they sing at youth service, "Who I will be even more undignified than this. That's what he actually said when he spoke with Michael. He said, this is nothing, basically. I'm going to be even more undignified. than." I don't know what he was going to do next. But anyway, but, but there's that contrasted with this, which are both worship. She, it seems, doesn't say what she says, but she silently... And symbolically comes with her, she came behind Jesus and she came in repentance and, and confessing her sins. And as she bowed in that, that way, obediently and, and you know, with repentance before Jesus, she in her way was worshipping him. And she was having a deep and poignant experience of God, even and, and equally as important as the one that David had. David had Michael having a go at him. But this woman had the Pharisees having a go at her. Well, Simon in particular. He was having a bit of a go. Didn't Jesus know what sort of woman this was? So Simon was not allowing this woman to worship in the way that she felt prompted by God to worship. He wasn't allowing the woman, even though it was in his own house, he was not wanting this woman to be obedient to responding to the call of God. So when we talk about different ways of worship, we can see in just those two passages, there are loads and loads more, as I'm sure you know, but even in those two passages, we can see in Jesus' day how people responded to God in different ways, even at different times. We, we look at David, he was like really, really happy, but if you look in the Psalms and look at other passages, you can see D- David did have his down days, didn't he? <laughs> he did have days when he was, you know, oh, no. But those equally were the same person responding to God. And, and, and it may be sometimes we really want to be, you know, Wappy and having a youth service but other days we want to come and and the communion or or a more traditional service is our style and similarly that lady who was having that repenting moment of, of kind of sobbing and crying in front of Jesus she knew how to party okay and I'm sure she had her David days too. So in Jesus' time and in David's time People responded to God in different ways, and that's also true of us. God deals with us all as individuals. Sometimes we are wanting to be loud, and and perhaps sometimes we're never wanting to be loud, I don't know. Sometimes we want times of silence. And it's important, drawing it together with the very first reading that we had about the Samaritan woman, it's important to note actually what is important in worship. How we do it, where we do it, when we do it. The most important thing about worship is, as Jesus taught the Samaritan woman, to worship in spirit and in truth. Really, I suppose this is one of Jesus' main discourses about worship, and what he said to this woman, because she was kind of putting barriers in his way and saying, well, we Samaritans do it this way, you Jews do it that way. And she was trying to cloud the issue, wasn't she, really? And Jesus sort of pointed to the most important thing when she was trying to to kind of discuss worship and traditions. He said the most important thing is that God, who is spirit and truth, is worshipped in spirit and in truth. So it's lovely to see you here at the traditional service. And I like to think of the traditional service being a different way of doing things for Thomas Risley, but a normal way of doing things for other people. But every time we come to worship, whether it's in Messy Church or whether it's traditional service, the most important thing is to come before God and to worship him who is spirit and truth, in spirit and truth. So let us just be quiet for a moment and I'll offer another prayer from this book and then I'll give us an opportunity, just have a little moment of quiet, to ask our God through his Holy Spirit to touch us and speak to us. So let us pray. Grant me, O Lord, to worship you in spirit and in truth. To submit all my nature to you, that my conscience may be quickened by your holiness, that my mind may be nourished by your truth, my imagination purified by your beauty. Help us to open our hearts to your love and to surrender our will to your purpose. So we may lift you up and lift our hearts up to you in selfless adoration and love. Help us, Lord, to come to you however we feel, whether we feel happy, whether we feel sad. Help us to come to you and to offer ourselves to you and to worship you in spirit and in truth that we may listen and respond. We thank you, Lord, that you speak to us through the wind, through the thunder, but also through the small voice of calm. Let us respond to you because of Jesus' sake and his, in his name. Amen.